Hey, welcome to Hope Church Online. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church. It is an honor and a privilege to bring hope right into your home where you're at today. Hey, if you didn't know it, we're actually going live here in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 every Sunday morning for a touchless experience. We want to invite you to join us. It's really awesome to be back in person worshiping God together. It's an incredible experience. We'd love for you to come experience God with us. Discover the hope that we found in Jesus and see your life change. Until then, we're so excited that you're here online with us. Come on, the Word is active. It travels through technology. We're so excited for the Word of God coming to you today. We're in our brand new series called Shift. We have a God who makes all things new. He shifts our lives to new levels. He's a God who changes not, but he changes everything. He's the God of new beginnings, new creations. He's the God who doesn't just make things better. He makes things different. He makes all things new. He redeems. He renews. He transforms. He changes life. If he's changed your life in some way or another, go ahead and give him some praise hands in the comments. Give him some clap hands in the comments. Tell somebody how good he's been to you this morning. Come on, our God, he shifts paradigms. He changes realities and really makes our lives different. Today we're believing God for a spirit of breakthrough to come through the camera today and fall fresh on you. We, we sang that song Waymaker this morning. He's the impossible miracle worker. If you have something impossible in your life, get ready for God to meet you in that impossibility and turn it around. He's the faithful promise keeper. He's the light that breaks through the darkness and he's here to shift and transform your life this morning. Come on, you are welcome in this place. We're so excited that you're joining us online. So to get this series started, we're going to jump into the word in John chapter 5, starting in verse 5. It says it like this. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Think about that. Sick, broken for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get better? Do you want to get well? The invalid replied, sir, I just have nobody to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Every time I try to get into the water that's stirred, someone else goes down ahead of me, cuts me off, and jumps in first. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was made whole. He was cured. He was transformed. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Come on, now that's an awesome story of God's transformative power in our lives. See, there's a number of words that could be used to describe the fruit, the evidence of God's work in a life of a believer. The word that implies a shift has taken place, something like justification, sanctification, redemption, renewal, revival. However, there's one incredibly important word that I think will help simplify this sermon today, and that word is transformation. It's the power to change lives. Wherever divine disruption happens, wherever God intervenes or steps in, there is some level of transformation for the better. God involves himself in nothing that he does not improve. I love that. He always improves where he is involved. If God engages the heart, he improves the heart. If God engages the mind, he improves the mind. If God engages the relationship, the relationship gets better. Because wherever he is involved, there will be improvement. It may not feel better. It might not look better. But because God works incrementally and never incompletely, by the time he gets finished, it will be changed.
changed for the better. Our God changes things for the better. And if it's not better yet, it's because he's not finished yet. Because God makes all things new. And although every shift is intended for God, by God to change our lives, to elevate our lives, it's not automatically our experience. It's possible for God to desperately desire better for us and we not experience better. See, in John chapter 5, we read a small portion of a man with a 38-year-old condition. 38 years he was trying to fix it, and it didn't get fixed. 38 years he's trying to adjust it and experience no alteration. 38 years he was high-fiving people in church, taking notes in his note sheets, talking about this season is going to be my season of change. Last year wasn't my year, but this year is going to be my year, only to experience chronic disappointment year after year, suffering from the same cycle of pain. You know, there is a difference between seasons and cycles. Seasons change with time. Cycles change when I do. So Jesus comes into this 38-year cycle of unchanged humanity, cycle of unchanged reality. And when he walks into this place, it's called Bethesda. Bethesda is a synthesis of two words, and what it means is house of grace. Go ahead and put that in the comments today, house of grace. It's a house of grace. So Jesus walks into this place of grace called Bethesda, and to get to this place called Bethesda, he has to go through this gate. It's called the Sheep Gate. And when he goes through the Sheep Gate, he gets access to this pool, and this pool is covered by a covering that's held up by five porches. So you've got a house of grace that you can only get into through a Sheep Gate, but once you get through the Sheep Gate, you get access to a pool. And that pool is covered by a covering that's held up by five pillars and porches. So this is actually like a metaphor for the church. Bethesda, the place of grace, the house of grace. Jesus is the gate that we walk through to get there. And when we walk through the way, the truth, and the life, we get access to the pool, which is the Holy Spirit that is covered by the five pillars. These five pillars represent the fivefold ministry of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the preacher, and the pastor, the teacher. So the problem is when Jesus gets into this place, this place that represents the church, the Bible says you got all kinds of people dealing with all kinds of issues, sick people in a place of grace. If you read John 5, you'll see some people were there and they were dealing with blindness. Blindness represents people who can't see, who are living a visionless existence. People who don't have a picture of God's good future for their life. That's what vision is. And when you don't have a picture of tomorrow, it's really hard to get through today. In this season of your life, you need to keep a picture of tomorrow in front of you from God so you can get through today. The enemy doesn't mind us being in church in a place of grace as long as you stay blind because he knows when your eyes are open and you begin to see what God has in your future, you get a sneak preview of coming attractions in your life. And that sneak peek starts to empower you to overcome your every obstacle in your present. You get fired up for the future and that gives you fuel to push through the present because you realize weeping might endure for the night, but I know that joy is heading my future. Joy comes in the morning. I'm joyfully anticipating good things in the morning. Joyfully anticipating good things in my future. Is there anybody in this place online today getting ready for a shift, believing that God's got something greater in your future that's better than you're experiencing right now? Come on. We can't stay blind. Blindness was killing these people 
even though they were in a place of grace. So there's blind people, and the people that are blind are prone to get lost. Whenever you're dealing with people who are lost in life, they're the people who can't make decisions, who can't make strategic choices. You're dealing with somebody who can't see, but they're in church. They're in Bethesda, the house of grace. They're a good person. They just don't have a good vision. The Bible says there's blind people. There's also lame people. This doesn't mean paralyzed. It means some of their limbs wouldn't work. So it represents life being there but not being lived to the fullness of one's potential. All the parts are there. They just don't work all the way. Have you ever felt like, I know there's more in me than this. I know I was created for more than this. I know it's there. It's just not being used yet. And I want to fully utilize all that God has given me. I don't want to sit on one gift, one talent, one acquired skill. God, if you gave it to me, you didn't give it to me to waste. You gave it to me to work it, to use it. And I want to work it so it's not lame and worthless. So they have lame people not living life to the fullest. We've got blind people who can't see their future. And then there are paralyzed people. This represents people who are in a situation where time is moving, life is moving on, and they just don't feel like they can move on. They don't feel like they're moving forward. Have you ever felt like you made progress in one season and then you experienced a plateau in your progress in the next See, things, they were moving and accelerating. Things were shifting on the up and up. And then all of a sudden, you went from a level up to a leveling out, feeling paralyzed. And we can begin to be paralyzed in our thinking. You can get paralyzed in your emotional healing. You get paralyzed in your paradigms, paralyzed in your career success, paralyzed in relationship fulfillment. And all of this happened in Bethesda the place of grace. It wasn't outside of the house of God. It was in the place of grace. Now, I'm sure there were brave people there, but they were still blind. I'm sure there were loving people, still lame. I'm sure they were peaceful people, still paralyzed. Bethesda helped them become good people, but not whole people. Nice people, but not transformed people. Really nice people, good people, but not healthy and whole. And I wish I had some honest people in here that have been in Bethesda a while that would just say, now there's a lot of things that Jesus has changed, but there's a few things in my life that have not yet been transformed. There's a whole lot that's better, and I see the evidence, the work of God in my life, but there are a few areas that still need transformation power from Jesus. And this house of grace should be the place where we can be honest without judgment, people of hope. This should be the one place of hope where it should be okay to not always be okay. Right here in Bethesda. And so their experience, they're experiencing all of this delay and all of this degree of stagnation because they were practicing spirituality with superstition. They were practicing spiritual acts with superstitious thoughts. What do you mean? Well, they were in this place of grace because there was this old folktale that said once a year, an angel would come and stir up the water in that pool. And whoever got in the water first, that's why he was like, nobody helps me get in the water. I need help. I need help. He's like, whoever got in the water first would be healed of whatever ailment they were dealing with. Here's the challenge. None of this in scripture, is in Scripture. Nothing in Scripture suggests that an angel would ever do something like that. There's no usage of angels in scripture that reveals a pattern that God would heal, use them to heal and stir waters in this way. So they're preaching and practicing a religion mixed with truth, but also mixed with tradition 
that has been handed down to them by people that they've trusted. They got truth mixed with tradition, good sayings, but not God sayings. You know, if they thought things were in the Bible that weren't really there, it's like, well, you know, the Bible says if you take one step, God will take two on your behalf. That's not in the Bible. I'm sorry. It's just not in there. It's not what it says. The Bible says, well, God helps those who help themselves. Again, nope, it's not in the Bible. I know somebody told you that, and they meant well, but it's not in there. And you can be waiting for an angel to stir something that God never promised. See, we want to take hold of the promises of God, not truth mixed with tradition, not relationship mixed with religion. We want the truth of God's word to set us free from the condemnation, the bondage of sin and religion and tradition. See, they had confused their spirituality with magic. It's like, oh, you think you're just going to lay here and then roll in the pool and everything's going to magically transform in your life after 38 years of dysfunction? So you think that the relationship's going to change somehow without you changing anything? It doesn't happen that way. That's called magic. Relationships don't change without you changing. Oh, you expected to get better in public without building your life in private. That's not how God works. That's how magic works. Oh, you just want to roll in the pool and have the pool take care of all your problems. That's magic. It's not the message of Jesus. Oh, you expected to get paid without punching the time clock? That's what we call hanging around for an angelic handout. I'm sorry, angels don't hand out stuff like that. Oh, you want to get bigger inside without getting better inside? You expect a harvest without putting your hand to the plow? You expect fruitfulness without planting seed in the ground? That's not God's message. That's magic. You can't you can't uh, not sow and reap. You have to sow in order to reap. You just want to roll in the pool, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. But here's the thing. That's not God's solution. That's not just going to get fixed. It's not the message of the Bible. It's magic. And in the midst of this place of grace, Jesus walks to people who are saturated and stuck in that paradigm of tradition mixed with truth. They have magic muscle memory built up, passed down from generation to generation. And Jesus comes in with a paradigm shift. Tell your neighbor online. Put it in the comments. It's time for a paradigm shift. It's time for a paradigm shift. Come on, we want to shift in this series. Because out of all the sick people, everybody that Jesus could have went to, he went to the man who had been in the same spot for 38 years with an unnamed issue. I mean, this man has been in the front row of this place of grace in Bethesda for 38 years, sitting on the front row every chance he gets. He's been looking for his breakthrough for 38 years. He's been talking about life change and pattern changes for 38 years. And Jesus walks up to him on the front row and calls him out out of a crowd of lame people. And we call this the favor of God. It's when God does something you know you don't deserve. It's when God does something, he interrupts and intervenes in your life, and he just calls you out of the crowd. It's when he shifts your life to a higher degree and a higher dimension of living without ever giving you an explanation. It's blessings you know you don't even know why you got. It's when you're blessed and you're confused why it's you. You're like, 
God, you're really good because I know this shouldn't have happened to my life. It's the favor of God. When he had to step over people to get to the man who had been there for 38 years, you know that's the favor of God. It's where you've made some of the same choices as everybody else, yet the consequences of those choices are not what everybody else experienced. It's like you got away with stuff you should have never gotten away with. What All the things that have happened, all the things that you've done, and God's been this good to you, it's not the same consequences for the same experience. For some reason, Jesus has kept you through it, comforted you through it, delivered you through it, protected you from it. Do you know what that is? That's called the favor of God on your life. And the proper response to the favor and the grace of God is not arrogance. The proper response should be appreciation, gratitude. I got to praise Jesus. Go ahead. Give him a praise break in your living room this morning. Give him a praise break today. Open up your mouth and praise him. Because if it had not been for the grace and the favor of God walking up to your life, walking into your situation, walking into your living room, you do not know where you would be. Because you don't know, like I know, what he had to step over in order to get to a person like me. 38 years stuck in depression. 38 years bondage to enslave mentality, poverty mentality, 38 years of self-destructive patterns. So he stepped over all these people, and he comes to this one man, and he asks him a question. I think it's the weirdest question you would ask a sick person. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to get better? Do you want your life to transform? He asked him a feeling question. So interesting to me. Jesus comes to this place where people are literally practicing superstitious spirituality. And he reintroduces them to a new paradigm that's going to shift their life to another level. Jesus walks into this place called Bethesda, and he changes church. He changes the way they do church. See, the vision of our church is not just to experience God. It's not just to get goosebumps, discover the hope found in Jesus. It's that Jesus changes your life. Wherever you encounter Jesus in the Bible, you see change in the Bible. Transformation power in the Bible. That's the mandate of our church as followers of Jesus. It's our assignment. It's what he's called our church to do. To change lives. To change cities. To change the world. We want to change church. Where people come in expecting one thing with excuses and brokenness and, and heartache and all these problems. And they leave experiencing change and hope and reality. Newness of life. Newness of sight. Newness of excelling. Newness of not being paralyzed but shifting their life to the next level. So people, they come into this place of grace don't stay blind. They don't stay lame. They don't stay paralyzed. They don't just get taught. They get transformed. They don't just get applauded. They get altered. Something shifts. They don't just sit cute. They leave change. Come on. It's time for a shift, people of hope. You're getting ready to get up today. You're getting ready to see again the bright future that God has for you. You're getting ready to walk in the anointing and the giftings that God has in you. You're getting ready to move because the God is a God that can help you shift into a new life that you never thought possible. 
that you couldn't earn, that you didn't deserve, that you just were sitting in your spot. And my God, he intervened. He intervened, he interrupted, and he healed your brokenness. And he called you out of your pit. He called you out of your spot of of insecurity and brokenness and lifted you up. Come on, he's the gift with a lift. He's the God with a gift with a lift and a shift. I'm getting ready to learn from this man. I'm getting ready to see what Jesus has done in his life and see transformation in my life. I want to see the transformation that happened to him to experience that kind of breakthrough for you in Jesus' name. So three points I see from this story. Number one, if you're going to do this, we're going to have to overcome discouragement from disappointment. We're going to have to overcome discouragement from disappointment. For 38 years, he's like, this is my year. Think about the discouragement that comes every time. An angel comes once a year. So every new year, he's like, this is my year. This is the year I get better. This is the year things change. And nothing changes. Not only has he had to deal with his physical problems, he's now dealing with the emotional roller coaster of expecting something and being disappointed year after year after year for 38 times at least. And if you've ever gone through anything like that, you know that that can feel like agony. And so when you've been chronically disappointed in your past, it can produce discouragement in your present. I've been disappointed, so now I'm discouraged. And you can feel like, I don't even want to try. I don't even want to hope. I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to believe. Why? Because I don't want to be disappointed again. But this man, the one thing he did, one of the things that he did, is he did not allow the disappointment in his past to cause him to have so much discouragement in his presence that he could not get up and joyfully anticipate something different, something better, something good from a good God. And you know what this man did with his discouraged self? You know what this man did with his broke down self? He brought himself every year to a place of grace. He brought himself every day that he could to the place called Bethesda. He was committed. The biblical word for it is faithful. And guess what? Favor finds the faithful. What if he didn't go to Bethesda that day? I'll tell you what would have happened. He would have missed Jesus. Because sometimes your answer is in the place you're supposed to be. I'll say it again. Come on. Even watching online this morning. Sometimes your answer is in the place you're supposed to watch. You're supposed to be. The place of your planting. He showed up. And the enemy wants to use discouragement to keep you out of the place of grace you're supposed to be. But you got to wake up every day and be like, man, I'm saying if I don't do anything else, I'm going to show up. I'm going to limp my way into God's house. I'm going to praise my way into God's presence. I'm going to watch my way into Hope Church Online. I'm going to pray my way into intimacy with God. Because favor finds the faithful. And some stuff happens if you just keep showing up. If you just keep watching. If you just keep engaging. If you just keep coming to the place of grace that he's planted you in. So number one, this man had to deal with discouragement from disappointment. Number two, he had to deal with anger from the absence of assistance, meaning nobody helped him. He had to deal with the anger of no assistance. When Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? His immediate response was, I do, but nobody will help me. Everybody's against me. I want somebody to help me. I need some help in my life. Why doesn't anybody care about me? And this is what's scary. He's a victim, but at the same time, he's right. 
There is nobody there. Because here's the thing. Some of you have had to handle stuff in your life with no help that you should have never had to handle at all. You've had to carry stuff by yourself your whole childhood you should have never had to carry. You've had to figure things out by yourself that you should have never had to figure out. And if anyone is going to experience a shift in their life, they got to be willing to overcome that anger that comes from the absence of assistance from people that are supposed to love you. Because whenever you're in a situation like this man who is watching people who have help, Watching people, he wishes he had what they have. And they're getting what he wants because they get help that he doesn't have. And he's saying to himself, if I just had that kind of help, I'd be all right. If I had just grown up in that kind of home environment, my life would have been totally different. If I had that kind of head start, I wouldn't be so broken. If I had those networks, those connections, I wouldn't be so lonely all the while, not realizing that God may not have given you what he gave them because God gave you what he didn't give them. You have a resilience within you, and a resilience has been built in you that you could do it without those things. And so if you're so focused on not having all those things, you won't be able to see that you got Jesus in your face, in your corner, asking you to get up and get out anyways. You've got Jesus. You've got him. You might not have what they have, but you got something that they don't have. See, right now, we're teaching my kids how to ride bikes. And they have been riding bikes. They have bikes with training wheels, and they have a balance bike without training wheels. When they're riding around without those training wheels and that balance bike, they're focused and fearful, thinking they're going to fall. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. Dad, don't let me fall. Because they felt like they're riding by themselves. There's no wheels. There's no backup. There's no help. There's no safety net. They don't even realize that when they're riding that balance bike, their father is right behind them with his hand on the seat. They couldn't see me, but my hand is on the seat. They didn't know I was there, but my hand was on the seat, and they felt the comfort with my hand being on the seat. What you don't realize is there are times in the spring of 2020 and in 2019 and in 2018, you felt like you were alone. You are just riding all by yourself. Nobody will help me. I have no safety net. I'm out here vulnerable. People are leaving me. People won't support me. And God's like, it may be true, but you're not a victim. You're not an orphan. You have a father, and your father has his hand on the back of your seat. You might not have the help everybody else has around, but you have a father holding your seat, and that's the reason you haven't fallen yet. Maybe you've fallen a little bit here, a little bit there, but you have not tipped over and destroyed and crashed and burned yet. So don't be angry when your God is your advocate. Don't be angry when God is fighting for you. God is upholding you. He's on your side. He's for you, not against you. He's never left you even when it's not fair. Come on now. He's never left you even though it doesn't feel fair. I want to tell you something. Nothing about relating to God is fair. You need to realize it's so unfair in your favor. This is what you need to get a, a, a revelation of this morning. It's so unfair in your favor. With God for you, my Bible says, who could be against you? What could stop you? What could separate you? What could trip you up? What could push you over? What could end you? Nothing. Believe me, you don't want it to be fair. You don't want what everybody else has. You want God to be faithful in the unfair blessing and favor that he's poured out on your life. 
to keep giving you better than you deserve. Well, if I had what God gave so-and-so, if I had what God gave somebody else, hey, they didn't deserve what they got either. Rejoice with those who rejoice. God makes it rain on the just and the unjust. Let's be thankful that he's a God of mercy and he's so faithful with his favor and his grace being poured out upon our lives. There's a reason you're not falling. It's because your father is holding your seat. He's holding your feet in life. You could get angry at the assistance that others receive or... You could thank God for keeping his hand on your seat. Come on, somebody. Keeping his hand on your seat and stepping over other people to help you with your problems. Favor finds the faithful. Quit whining about everybody else. Quit wishing you had what everybody else has. And be faithful because favor finds the faithful in their place of brokenness. For 38 years, he showed up. Pushing through disappointment, pushing through lost and broken dreams and broken expectations. But favor finds the faithful. And last but not least, come on, you got to get over the misery of every moment that you've missed. Get over the misery of missed moments. See, because when you're dealing with something like that for 38 years, you know there's a lot of things that you wanted to be a part of that you've missed out on. And that can produce misery. It can produce regret. And the truth of the matter is we all experience some way, shape, or form of wishing it were different at some point backwards. Sometimes there are choices that we made. We say, man, I could be so much further along if that thing had not happened. And you deal with that regret, misery over those missed moments, missed opportunities, missed seasons, where you feel like the prodigal son, I just wasted, I squandered everything the father set me up for. But I love this man. This man had, had probably had a lot of misery over missed moments. But this man, no matter what, he heard an instruction from God. He heard an instruction from Jesus. This man followed instruction. Jesus said, get up. Take up your bed and walk. Get up, pick up your bed and walk. And this man shifted. He just moved. This man got up. He began to hold on to the thing that was holding him down. He began to carry the thing that was carrying him. He had the thing in his hands that used to have him on his back. Now that mat is a testimony of God's goodness. The thing that held him down is now in his hands and he's holding it. At first he was giving excuses, but when Jesus said, get up, that man got that mat up and he started walking around. And of course, it was on Sunday. It was on a religious Sabbath holiday and he ran into some Pharisees who said you shouldn't be carrying that mat on this day some religious leaders who were practicing religion the old way that wasn't working for him before Jesus showed up in the place of grace and changed church that's right he changed the way they were doing church in Bethesda they said, you shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath day. Don't you know anything about the law, about the rules? He said, well, the man who healed me after 38 years told me to carry this thing. I tried it your way. Your way kept me blind. 
I tried it your way, your way kept me paralyzed. I tried it religious ways, your ways kept me trapped. I'm trying it a relational way, I'm trying it a different way, and it's freeing my life more than anything you've ever given me. When I got introduced to change at Hope Church, when I got introduced to change at Hope Church, it changed me. So guess what? I'm going to carry this mat on this day. I'm going to carry this mat on this day. This is my living testimony. Somebody come and catch me. I got a mat and I'm about to shout that Jesus has set me free. For 38 years of bondage, I'm now ready to be free indeed. Because this new reality, this new relationship is working way better than religion and superstition has ever worked for me. Your religion doesn't help anybody. Relationship, one touch from Jesus has changed my life forever. Transform me into a new creation. Here's a simple revelation. You need to catch it this morning. The way that you get over regret from your past is by creating an amazing future to look forward to. You can create a future that's so amazing that you'll be just like Joseph. And you'll look back at everything your brothers did to hurt you and to harm you. And you'll be like, I'm not even mad at you anymore. See, you meant it for evil. But God turned it around and he worked it for my good. You'll be like, Pastor, hey, I remember that that hurt. But I'm in such a good season now, I don't remember what it felt like. I don't remember how it tore me around in this way and that way. I pray that by the end of this year, that's what you'll be saying. That whatever the enemy is using to keep you in guilt, to keep you condemned, to keep you discouraged, that there would be such a shift that starts to happen this summer that you say, I remember that it hurt, but I don't remember what it feels like. Because God has helped me to get up and to pick up, and he has shifted my life. Come on, people of hope. Give him a shout of praise if you believe he's ready to shift your life he's shifting lives he's shifting lives he's shifting lives even now online right there where you're at in your home if you've walked away from Jesus if you stepped out of relationship with Jesus today is your day of freedom today is the day you get out of a cycle a 38 year old cycle of walking in patterns of dysfunction and step into fullness of life it's not coming from religion it's not coming out of duty. It's pure grace and favor and mercy in relationship with Jesus that's going to set you free today. So if you're in your home, you know you've walked away from Jesus or you want to get back with Jesus or you want to come to Jesus and relate to him for the first time. I'm telling you what, today is your day of freedom. Simply text, I say yes, one word, I say yes to 94090. I say yes to 94090. I'm coming back to Jesus today. I'm giving my life, I'm trusting him relationally for the first time ever to shift my life. I say yes to 94090. We'd love to pray with you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you ask him into your life with your mouth, you will get shifted. You will get saved. You will get transformed. So today, let's do it together, church. Let's say it together. Jesus, I give you my heart. I trust you with my life. Have your way in me. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me a new creation. I don't want to be a better person. I want to be a changed person, a different person. I believe you can do it. 
and I receive it today. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Let it be so. Come on, if you made that decision for the first time, we encourage you, jump into content like this right here from Hope Church. Subscribe, get engaged, come to church here in Corning location. We'd love to see you, get to know you in person, 8, 9.30 or 11. God bless you, church. Hey, thank you for watching. Go ahead and like this video and share it with a friend. Make sure you subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video or live stream. And hey, don't forget, you can join us live every Sunday. Thanks again for watching.